fake me out there. I thought we were going to have another song, but uh, I'm sure they, uh, they told me that. So they're, they're conserving their energy for a really strong finish, I think. But uh, it's great to be together today, and if you haven't noticed, the balcony is officially closed today. So uh, if you were trying to get up there, you got denied by the ropes, and I see a couple people laughing and smiling that we're trying to get there. Uh, but uh, it is awesome to be together. We did have our marriage retreat this weekend down in Newport Beach and uh, had an amazing time with uh, the Consens from uh, San Diego. And uh, all those lessons are going to be up on the uh, website. If you didn't get a chance to hear or want to hear uh, what the marriage talk about when they're by themselves, you can hear about that. But it was just a lot about connecting, about uh, communicating, validating one another, reflective listening uh, intimacy in, in all kinds of ways and just how it really builds uh, even from relationship, friendship, and everything. So uh, my, one of my takeaways was if you're not a very good friend, you're not really going to have a, a good intimate life, it, whether you're single or whether you get married someday. So that's a great uh, training ground and everything. But uh, we're excited to be here today and uh, we're taking a break from our series uh, which is um, the seven people to get you to heaven. So we're kind of taking a break so you guys don't get ahead of everybody else. So we're kind of going off the script for today, uh, which maybe that's a good thing. And uh, the title for today is Revolution. And I don't know what you think about when you hear the word revolution. I think I'm going to come down here, get a little closer to you guys. Uh, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word revolution, but there's a lot going on in our world today where people are not happy and they're making their voice known. You know, we have our, uh, oh, before we get into that, we have another kind of revolution here, the uh, Rancho Mirage uh, water polo team uh, just won uh, the uh, CIF championships there. So I thought Drew was going to be here, but he's not here. Sandra's here. She works there. And uh, I don't know if we have any other people affiliated with the school here, there. But it was pretty cool. Juan is the cousin of uh, Drew, so we have a family member in the house here. Uh, but this is pretty cool. Not often do you get on the paper that's Drew scoring a goal in the championship game. And that's pretty cool, uh, you know, to not only have your team win, but to be immortalized by the desert sun. Uh, your 15 minutes of fame, and we were there to celebrate. He's not here with us, but we can celebrate with him when we see him uh, next time. But uh, revolution, things that are going on all around the world today in Beirut, Lebanon, the schools have been closed, the streets have been shut down. As I mentioned last week, almost every week I get an update from Mufid, and he's like, well, the schools are closed again, the schools are open again, there's people demonstrating, pray for us. The economy shut down. We're, the banks are closed. We, we, we take it for granted all the things that we just have automatically. Like you turn the light switch and it goes on. One of the things that they're uh, protesting in Lebanon is that they have these rolling blackouts. So a lot of times every day your electricity is shut off. And you just think, wow, that can't happen in... Europe, I mean, that's pretty, you know, amazing, but, or the Middle East, pretty modern country, but doesn't even have electricity all the time. So they're upset. Uh, you know, you probably heard about the demonstrations in Hong Kong. Yep. 
I mean, that's a lot of people. You know, as they're discussing the extradition laws and people are nervous that if they pass the law, then China's going to be able to come in and extradite whoever they want for whatever reason they want. It could be a good reason. It could be a bad reason. It could be just Big Brother says, hey, you're done. And so they're fighting. They're upset about that and um, and are demonstrating, obviously, Santiago, Chile. I'm sure I didn't say that right. Sorry uh, to my Spanish teacher friend here, uh, Lacey. But uh, they're, they're protesting basic things like the subway fare is too high. The ho- cost of living, privatization, inequality. I mean, they are just upset that things aren't good. I don't think that it has. I'm sure it has to do with the subway fare, but I'm sure that's not what they're living and dying for is just, man, things aren't changing. Things are stagnant. Things are not fair. People are rich, and most of us are not having the basics. And I know that uh, some of you grew up in that generation where people were revolting all the time, and there was a lot of different protests and things going on. Uh, We're going to talk about revolution today that started in the first century with Jesus. He had his 12 disciples in an age when most people didn't travel more than 35 miles from their home. They reached and were scattered throughout the the corners of the world. That he took fishermen like Peter and they ended up going to, to Rome and Italy because of the gospel. John ended up in Asia, James in Spain, and Thomas all the way to India because of their passion, because of their faith in Jesus. And I've been reading this book called Wild Goose Chase by Mark Batterson that somebody recommended. And it comes from the idea that uh, some Celtic Christians, they call the Holy Spirit Ged Gloss, which means wild goose. Not that we're going on a wild goose chase, but it's like an adventure following the Holy Spirit around life. And today, sometimes we have the, an inverted view of Christianity where the Holy Spirit is supposed to serve us. That he's supposed to meet our needs. He's supposed to encourage us. He's supposed to make us feel good about ourselves or whatever. Instead of us serving God and serving the Holy Spirit where we follow him where he wants us to go, not we tell him where we want him to go. And so much of church in our world today is about you. As the consumer, that you want church to entertain you, you want church to, you know, tell me what to do, encourage me, make me smile, take care of my kids, don't ask me for too much money, and, you know, let me leave and just feel happy. And I'm not saying that for you specifically, but church in general in America can can be more that way, where you leave talking about, well, the sermon was all right, you know. It wasn't really, you know, it could have done a little bit better. You know, the guy doing the contribution or, you know, the the, the song was too loud or whatever that we we can have all the what we think. And the reason we come to church should be to think, what does God think? What does God want? Where is he sending me? And I was pretty convicted uh, in reading this. And I think I have an extra slide in here that's not supposed to be here. Yeah, that one's not there. You didn't see that. Uh, Point number one. In the plains or in the zoo? You know, in the plains or in the zoo? I mean, it's amazing that if you, 
you can see this animal, the lion, in the middle of the plains right here. He's looking pretty terrifying, right? If you ran into this guy, you'd be feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm dinner, I'm lunch, I'm breakfast, whatever it is. Uh, it, there's a lot of intensity there trying to scare away this rhino. The rhino doesn't really look too concerned. But, uh, but in so many ways, our faith should be something that is more wild than tame. You know, when you, went, when you hung out with Jesus, it wasn't just like you were a caged animal, that Jesus was unpredictable. Jesus surprised you. He challenged you. He put you in uncomfortable situations day after day. And I love this quote. It says, I am sending dangerous people into their natural habitats to wreak havoc on the enemy. Does that sound like your Christian life? That God is sending you into your natural habitat to wreak havoc on the enemy, which is, of course, Satan. Since when did it become safe to follow Christ? You know, I don't know about you, but most days I feel like, you know, it's a pretty safe thing to do here in America. But when Jesus came across people like the rich young ruler who felt really safe, he issued them a challenge that caused them to choose what they wanted to do. Have you ever thought about what you would be like if you were following Jesus? If he came into church and started turning over tables and telling the, 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 the leaders that they were greedy and they were in sin and that he turned their father's house into a, a den of robbers. You know, to see him walk on water and be terrified and like, oh my gosh, what is this? Or to even celebrate when he turned water to wine or when he did the miraculous catch of fish. It was exciting to be with Jesus. And yet our Christianity can be like this. Really big lion. I mean, if you look at it, even this lion probably looks bigger than this lion. He looks healthier, but this one looks pretty scary and this one looks pretty tame. The mane on this one is very perfectly uh combed and brushed or whatever they do. This guy looks like, you know, he'd get probably a C- minus on hairstyle right here. <laughs> but I think so many times we can live and I can live my Christian life and feel like, wow, I'm pretty safe. I'm going to church. We're all doing this together and it's no big deal. What cages are you in in your spiritual life? I can, we can be in the cage of responsibility, where we're so responsible that we take care of all of our stuff, but we don't take care of what God wants. We're not responsive to what his spirit was. Was it really responsible for James and John to follow Jesus? He said, okay, I know you're in the middle of the work day and you're there with your father, but it's time to go. Leave your boats and come with me. That wasn't the responsible thing to do. When Jesus' family came to pick him up and said, Hey, Jesus, you're going out of your mind. The responsible thing would have been, Okay, let me go back. Let me calm mom down. And then we'll get all going on the same page. He said, No. Who are my mother and brothers? Everyone who follows Jesus or follows the word of God is my mother and brother. Basically saying, No, mom, I'm not doing that right now. So sometimes following Jesus is not 
simply being responsible and doing all the things that we need to do. You know, sometimes it, it would be faithfully being irresponsible because we're following Christ. Where not everybody would say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Your Christian life, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. That's not the life that they lived. Said, okay, it's time to go here. It's time to go there. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, what about my retirement? What about my job? What about my family? You know, some people use that, that you know, reason, and we're going to look at that. It could be our routine. That we get in so much of a routine spiritually that it becomes boring. That we read in the same place every day, and we pray the same prayer every day, and we go to do all the same, we get with the same people every week, and it just becomes kind of a routine. Not that a routine is bad, but it can become a cage that keeps us from following the Holy Spirit. You, you with me here? Yeah. You know, sometimes we feel like we have the Holy Spirit all figured out. That we've been Christians for X amount of years, so we know how it's all supposed to work. And so we're not open to new ideas, to imagination, to where God wants us to be. You know, we can be caged in, in guilt and fail our previous failure and fear. There's a lot of re- things that can keep us stagnant in our faith. Turn over to Luke chapter 9. And I wanted to read a couple a passage here with Jesus. He says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me first go and first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What? Jesus, really? I mean, you don't want me to go say goodbye to my family? No, I don't. You don't want me to bury my father? You don't want me to just wait, wait around until he passes and then I'll, then I'll follow you. He said, no, I called you to follow me. That means I want you to do it now. Why would I say follow me and then say, well, okay, I understand. You can wait 10 years. Or you can wait till a more convenient time. And yet so many times, how many do we hear that? Why, I, people can't even come to church because they work. You know, because they have to go to their niece's third birthday party. Or no, I can't do that because, you know, I have really serious, you know, my boss wants me to work on this certain day or that certain day. You know, there's so many reasons when Jesus said the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, I need you now. I need you to help me out today. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. And you're worried about your family and your house. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm, I'm homeless. I need you to take me in or whatever it may be. I think today when we read this, it seems not even real. Like we can feel like that's not Jesus. Jesus isn't that harsh. Jesus is nice, isn't he? I mean, he, he always he does what we want him to do. He always makes us feel comfortable. He always helps us out in our time of need. And yes, he does. But a lot of times, if you haven't noticed, he calls us to go places that are uncomfortable. 
places we don't want to go, places that make us feel inadequate and uncomfortable. You know, in verse 62, he says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So basically, anything that causes us to want to go back to our old life is that, is that plow. You know, and Jesus is saying, don't look back. Don't go, go forward, don't go backwards. And I pray that even this week that we think about how safe am I as a Christian? How safe is my Christian life? When was the last time I was scared, uncomfortable, where I felt, where I put myself out there spiritually? And I know that that is something I want to think about too. I don't feel like I'm living on the edge as a Christian either. I feel like I'm in the cage too. And so my, my belief is that God wants us to get out of our cage. You know, to step out into something and make a difference for him. If we're not on a revolution for Christ, my question to you is why not? If you're not out for change, then what are you doing as a Christian? And what am I doing as a Christian? If I'm not making a difference in my workplace and where I'm going and people that I'm with, then what really am I doing? Because that's what Jesus did all day long, all the time. You know, and I pray that we think about this and that we take it to heart. It would be so, I believe we need this in our churches now. That we have a lot of safe people. Not just in our church, but in a lot of churches all over the place. That we need somebody to be led by the Spirit, not to just do stupid stuff, but to do things because you want to make a difference and you want to make a change. Maybe you'll make mistakes. So what? We all do. But when we're led by the Spirit, He leads us where we need to be. Point number two. Cry, pound your fist, or smile. Cry, pound your fist, or smile. When you're in a revolution, you do things because you are upset. You're angry. You want to bang your fist. You're ticked off about something. There's things that upset you that you say, you know what, this can't happen anymore. I'm ticked off when people get divorced. Or I'm ticked off when people get in abusive relationships. I'm tired of people cheating. I'm tired of people getting hurt. I'm tired of people being lied to. I'm tired of religious hypocrisy or things that encourage us or things that we that inspire us and motivate us. You know, it's been, you know, so inspiring to see um, the Guzman family. They just got inspired to start going down and visiting some orphanage and in uh, Mexicali. Nobody told them to do it. They just, I don't even know how they found it. I'm not sure how it all came about. It doesn't matter. But that was on their heart. They're going to visit a home of 18 orphans. And it really has inspired me that they have just done it on their own. You know, that, no, are they changing the whole world? No, but they're changing the lives of those kids. And it really hit me this year because this is this year. It really hit me at the beginning of 2019 that I want to do more with the poor. That I don't want to go through another year and just talk about serving the poor 
and do our safe little hope project and do our Thanksgiving baskets, and our, which are awesome, and we're actually doing it next week, and we're bringing toys, but I don't want to just do the sterile Christian serving of the poor, that that's not enough. You know, I don't want our family groups to, you know, I didn't want them to just go through another year and not do anything for the poor until it was time for us all to do our little projects. And it's been encouraging to see the family groups getting involved and people serving at the rescue mission and serving meals and doing the street life and, you know, going organically, going to the orphanage in in Mexicali. And they inspired me, and I just said, I want to go too. You know, I want to go down, I don't know, just to be able to see what they're doing, see what's happening, see what God is doing. And I, I... I pray that you have those kind of experiences where you're like, hey, I just, I just want to do something. Just put me out there where the needs are. Put me in a situation where I'm sure it's going to be heartbreaking to see kids that have no parents and to think about all of our kids that have everything and they have people at soccer games and all kinds of stuff. But what makes you, what moves you to action? What makes you cry? What makes you pound your fist? Or what makes you happy? You know, let's, in, in Mark chapter 3, because whatever that is, that's what you need to do. Whatever makes you pound your fist, that's what you need to go after. Whatever ticks you off, that's what you need to pray about, and you need to do something about it. Whatever makes you the happiest, that's God saying, hey, this needs to be your, your ministry. Or this needs to be your ministry because you're ticked off about it. And that sometimes we, we get mad, but we don't do anything. You know, or we get happy and we're inspired, but it doesn't motivate us to maybe go further that God wants us to go. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus had just healed the man on the Sabbath and everyone was, or he was getting ready to heal somebody on the Sabbath and the people weren't too happy about it. It says, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Can you imagine Jesus asking you a question and you not answering? What's better to do, good or evil? And you just sit there. And it says, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. That would have been an interesting sermon. I don't know what it would look like for Jesus to be angry. When I look in the Bible and I see God get angry, he gets pretty angry. Pierce into their soul and be distressed at their stubborn hearts. That ticked Jesus off. He was upset. He was pounding his fist spiritually. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Lack of faith got Jesus angry. Tradition got Jesus angry. Lack of love got Jesus angry. He said, what is it? Don't you want to do good? 
And because of their traditions, they refused to care about a man who needed to be healed. I don't know what it is for you. What gets you upset? What gets you angry? What, what, what moves you? What just burns you where you just feel like you're going to explode? That is where I believe God is leading us, not just to be safe Christians, but to make a difference. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but my challenge to you is to pray about that and, and to take action. That's how God's going to bring a revolution to our area. That's how he's going to bring a revolution to our family, to our workplaces, and to our world. Point number three. Time to quit praying. Somebody saw my notes and they thought that was blasphemous. Because the reality is we need to pray a lot more. The reality is that we need to rely on God a lot more and pray that he'll lead us, that he'll guide us, that he'll fill us up with his spirit, that we can't do it alone. And I 100% agree with that. But I love this. There's a guy named Peter Marshall who was the chaplain to the U.S. Senate. And he he had this quote. He said, imagine if we read the Gospels until we got to a place where Jesus said to do something. And then we stopped reading and we didn't start again until we actually did it. Then we went and we started reading again. And then when we got to another place, we would stop and actually do it and then continue. And I think so much that we do the same things. That we know what to do, but we don't do it. You know, your quiet time can really be one sentence long. And if it's something like resolves matters quickly with your adversary, and there you go. If you have somebody that has something against you, that should really end your quiet time. And you should pray about it. And then you should go get reconciled with that person. That would be an amazing time with God for that day. That would be what, exactly what God wanted you to do. You know, we could read a scripture that says, remember the poor. That's like four verses. And we could pray about it, and we could go out that day and actually look around and say, okay, I want to remember the poor, and I want to find somebody to help. You know, where it says, you know, love your neighbor. And we can go and walk around our neighborhood and think about, who can I love, who can I encourage in my neighborhood? Who are my friends at work can I go and encourage? And that would probably be a better quiet time than if we spent an hour just praying, reading, and then we didn't do anything. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray and we shouldn't read and we shouldn't neglect God, but I'm saying we've gotten away from that revolutionary spirit that actually does put it into practice. You know, if it says go and make disciples of all nations, then we can just just do it. Just do it. Well, it's uncomfortable. I don't know how to do it. Do it. Step out. You know, so many of us, we've done it at different times, and I'm convicting myself as I'm doing this. This is not only you, but I think God wants us to be people of the Spirit that is led by the Spirit and led by action. And that was Jesus, that it was 
People were amazed by his prayer life. They were amazed by all the scriptures that he knew, but they were amazed that he had a power to back it up. And he lived it out every day. And I love this in Matthew 26 as we begin to, as we take communion together. It says, when he came back, uh, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went out once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. So he's basically praying, saying, Father, I don't want to go to the cross, but your will be done. And he says it again and again. He says, then he returned to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Basically, Jesus saying, okay, time of prayer is over. It's time to... To, set, to put my life down. It's time to lay my life down, as we read about, in the, as we heard about in the song in the beginning. Lay me down, lay me down. That Jesus knew when it was the time to pray, and he knew when it was the time to get up. And I'm inspired by his spirit, that when it was his time, he was ready. He didn't just sit there and wait for them to come. He actually went to them and said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to use me, Father. And I pray that we can have that spirit. I, I, again, I believe that God is wanting to push us, prod us, get us to go in this direction so that we will make a difference. So you won't have to wait around for someone in your family group to tell you something to do. For some program at church to be able to guide you of where the Holy Spirit wants you to go. You know, He wants to talk to you directly. And as long as you're following the scriptures and you're loving people around you, then we could feel empowered to go and do. And I pray that we can have that spirit. Uh, As we take our communion today, please uh, pray about that. Think about, God, where are you leading me? Where is your spirit leading me to make a difference? And if you don't know, keep it on your mind. He'll, He'll make it known to you. Ask people that you know. And search the scriptures with that in mind. God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Let's pray as we take our communion together. Father, we thank you for this time to be together, God. We we do pray for all the uh, turmoil going on all over the world. God, I pray that you will bring uh, basic rights and, and, and restore situations and bring justice and And yet, God, we know that true healing comes from you, that true healing comes from your son and comes from uh, his blood that he shed for us. God, I pray that we can begin with the heart, that we can begin with you, that we can be led by your spirit. God, we so much want to make a difference. God, I know when we uh, decided to follow you, that was what we wanted to do, follow you wherever you wanted us to go. God, I pray that you can. Uh, Get us back to that, God. Help us to get back, to be led by your spirit. Uh, That's where uh, life to the full truly is. Thank you for this time to remember Jesus. Thank you that we could remember the spirit in which he lived and the, the, the love that he laid down his life for each one of us. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.